Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. Today on Let Me Be Frank, Bishop Caggiano tells us his frank opinion on Halloween. That day is followed up by All Saints Day and then All Souls Day. We'll wrap up with his reflection on the last four things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Before we get to that, please be sure to spread the word to the folks you know that there's a place where they can hear solid Catholic teaching and uplifting and edifying conversations 24 hours a day. Veritas is on the radio at 1350 AM and you can take us with you wherever you go by downloading the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app on your phone. Oh, and you can also listen on iHeartRadio, on your Alexa, and on your Google Home device. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, everybody. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, it's good to be with you today. Excellency, it's great to be with you, too. Um, we had a, a heavy episode last week when we talked about mm-hmm. the value of life and the dignity mm-hmm. of the human person. Before we get to um, this week's subject, which uh, we, you know we're on the doorstep of some great feast days, All Saints and All Souls, before we get to that, I just wanted to ask you, you know, there was... Um, a little bit of uh, controversy or, or perhaps misunderstanding about uh, what mm-hmm. the Holy Father said this week about civil unions. Yeah, it is. It's caused a tremendous controversy in part because the news medias, the news media and the outlets, basically they want to report headlines only. And when you do that, you distort the truth. Yeah. And from what I can gather, they took his quotations out of context and therefore insinuated he was saying something different than what he actually meant to say. So for example, for the Pope, he has never ever equated a civil union with, uh, with marriage, nor has he ever condoned immoral behavior, right? But the, con- the original context, from what I understand, was a debate in Argentina at the time of whether or not they would allow, would legalize marriage of same-sex couples. And this is really a question of, is there a way for the state to avoid doing that, which is totally contrary to our faith, and provide some legal protection of couples who are same-sex, but not recognizing that union as anything comparable to marriage, because, of course, we in the Catholic faith do not believe that, right? Yeah. Right. And much of what he said then was taken out of context as if he says he's advocating it, which he is, to my understanding, is not advocating it. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I, I saw a, a headline to, to that effect, too, saying that these are separate statements that have been pieced together from different things. So, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Boy, it's weird to think that the media would want to <laughs> produce any controversy with the church. Oh, my God. Well, and in particular, with <laughs> the election so close, they have enough to talk about, don't they? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so, uh, Excellency, talking about the real reason why we're here this week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, before we get to uh, All Saints and All Souls, I do want to ask you, because you mentioned a few weeks ago that you are not a fan of Halloween. Well, yes, in a certain <laughs> sense. I, mean, I don't want to upset all the children, <laughs> if there are any children here. I myself used to go trick-or-treating. I love candy. I always have. You know, remember, I grew up in that area, that, that era of miscreancy, where in New York City, we were told you had to examine your candy, make sure the wrapper wasn't opened, make sure there weren't razor blades in your Tootsie Roll, all this crazy stuff. Crazy. I mean, so, crazy stuff. So we went trick-or-treating, but mom threw out all the candy because... <laughs> She was, it was like very depressing when it was all said and done. But I was able to keep the change, you know? So it was like monetize it, people. I can't eat this stuff, monetize it. <laughs> but, um, but you see, but this is my difficulty with Halloween, all right? Um, it, it, in the current age, has kind of lost its Christian root because all Hallows Eve is the vigil of all saints. And it was one of three days of celebration. It was the vigil day, the actual day of all saints, and then all souls, souls in purgatory. And therefore, you know, there's a lot of controversy as to where Halloween came from. Some, for example, scholars think it came from an old Celtic 
um, ritual that ended like the period of the year that was harvest and began to prepare for the darkening, right? So it invoked a sense of death. And it was a pagan festival that Christians then Christianized and connected with all saints, right? But, but in its Christian form, right, um, it's interesting. In my research, I, I didn't realize this, but all the churches on All Saints Day, and in Rome they still do this, they put out the relics that they have of the saints for display and veneration. But for those places that did not have relics, people dressed up hmm. as the saints, as a reminder of the community. So that is the origin of dressing up for Halloween. Oh, interesting. See, and my difficulty is you don't see much of that anymore. You don't dress up as angels or your guardian angel or St. Michael or a saint. or They dress up as gob goblins and zombies and vampires and stuff, which are, as much as we want to sanitize them, they are symbols of evil. Yep. And we should not have our children become accustomed to sanitized symbols of evil. Yeah. Right? So, let me tell you a story. When I was the pastor of St. Dominic's, I may have told you the story already. And, you know, sometimes bribery for God is not a bad thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I had a contest, right, for a girl and a boy who would dress up as a saint and who had the best costumes. And I must say, over 100, more than 100 young people participated. They went to Mass. And then we had a contest, and I felt bad that we had only one, one prize for each because we should have had more hmm. because some of them are just outstanding. But, but then I was satisfied with the fact that they had Halloween, they had a costume, they could go the next day, they can, or even that day, they can trick-or-treat, and it was Christianized again. See, yeah. that, that's, and so I would suggest to parents who are listening, certainly have your children trick-or-treat. There's no reason not to, but be mindful of what you dress them into. Right. Okay. Because in some way they're identifying with it as they yeah. go around, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want them identifying with things that in the end are not Christian. That's right. my point. Yep. Mm -hmm. I hear that. Mm -hmm. My kids all went to um, an elementary school where every uh, before or during Halloween time they would have all the kids come in dressed as saints and then they'd give a saint project, a report. Um, oh, yes, yeah, exactly. It's not, that's exactly the same idea, right, the yeah. same idea. And it does connect to the idea of relics, the idea of their presence, the idea of the witness of the saints, because yeah. it is the vigil of all saints. That's why it exists in Christian tradition. Right. You mm -hmm. know, and, and just <laughs> my kids, like, for example, my daughter dressed up as uh, St. Bernadette uh, from Lourdes mm -hmm. last year. And then oh. I was like, why don't you go out trick-or-treating like that? And she said, no, I want to be Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> so she wouldn't go out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but now let me just say one other thing, too, since I'm on, I may get some, some hate mail from this, but it, it, it is, let us be frank, correct? Right, Steve? Yes. So, I mean, w when did Halloween become an adult holiday? This I don't understand. Where people dress up. And again, if you're going to dress up like your patron saint or dress up in it, that's great. But they dress up as vampires, and, and it's so, it's so, it's become dark. It's become um, almost sinister. Yeah, or sexualized. Or, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and what does that have to do with all saints? <laughs> so, so let's, then let's, let's, you and I shift the topic to all saints, since that's why we're here. Okay, Okay, Excellent. so all saints commemorates the entire church triumphant right so not just the big names like saint francis and saint stephen and saint therese but also please god my mother and your mother who haven't yes. officially been canonized right exactly but they don't have to be to go to heaven right i always understood all saints day is the celebration of heaven that there is one there are please god many in it and they are there not simply i as we can talk about later on, to give glory to God and to eternally fall ever more in love with God, to have the beatific vision, perfect happiness, right? To enjoy the fullness of the fruits of redemption, but to pray for us, to intercede for us, to be present to us, to be our help. So, I mean, this is the finish line. If, this, if, if life is a marathon, that's the finish line. 
And I've always loved All Saints because it keeps clear where we are going. We yes. want to be one with them, right? And it gives me great consolation to think that my two mothers are there. The Blessed Mother and my mother are there. What a reception. Please, God, if I make it. What a reception, yeah. right, to have, right, in eternal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're not, um, although, although, uh, and death can't separate us, right? St. Paul right. wrote that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Right, right. It cannot. It can't. Although, there's that beautiful image. Uh, one of the spiritual directors at the college seminary shared it about standing at one shore and when a person dies, uh, the image is you are on a boat, and as you travel towards the horizon, the boat disappears. But those who are on the other shore begin to glimpse the boat. Right? So we are letting go because someone else is going to embrace, which are the saints. Right? You're being welcomed. And, and there will only be a short matter of time where we, we will see the other side of the horizon ourselves yeah so we we need to have courage we need to have hope right and persevere in the life of faith yes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. can we talk about um excellency uh the intercession mm-hmm. of the saints you know mm-hmm. uh there's i know our protestant brothers and sisters don't agree that uh, we should be um praying to the saints for their intercession mm-hmm. uh, i guess start with how can we be sure that we can communicate with the dead in heaven can you communicate with the Lord? Yes. Well, then there's someone in heaven you communicate with. So why couldn't that be extended to everyone else who shares the glory of the Lord in heaven? You see, in my mind, it's quite logical. No differently than with all due respect to the objection. Um, if I'm in church with you, do I not have the privilege to turn to you and ask for your prayers? If right. I'm sick, do I not ask you to say, please pray for me so that I can go through my chemotherapy or I can deal with the death of my mother? So then what difference does it make if I ask you that I can see, that I ask someone that I cannot see, who I know is still alive? Yeah. I, I mean, in my mind, it's all quite logical. <laughs> now, what, what the objection is, right, is that people do not ask for the intercession of the saints alone, but they make them the terminus of their prayer. And that is a valid objection. So no saint, even Our Lady, for all of her greatness, takes the place of the Lord Jesus. No one. No one. But they point to him. They can be a bridge to him. They can be an encouragement to him. They can pray for us to encounter him, but they cannot be the end of the journey. They always lead us to the Lord. So to the extent that there are other Christians who say, we have seen this happen, that you are not just asking for their intercession, but you are praying to them as a terminus, well, that's a valid objection then, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can see how it would be confusing when a Protestant sees a Catholic, let's say, in a church, and they're kneeling before a statue of mm-hmm. a saint. And right. But once again, once again, draw the parallel between the visible and invisible world. All right? Do you not have photos of the people you love in your home? Why do you have the photos there to take up space? No because they are symbolic reminders of the people they represent, and it instills in you, it stirs in you, the passion of love and commitment that you have to them. Right. So how is that different, since we don't have a photo of Our Lady, how is that different than an icon, picture, or statue of Our Lady? Right. It's doing the exact same thing. See, because our family is seen and unseen. Once again, in my simple mind, there's a simple logic there. Yeah. Right. Now again, but again, if I think that this picture is my mother, I need help. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Okay? And if I think that this picture of my mother, right, is in and of itself going to give me confidence that my mother, who is now dead, has life only on her own right, then I have got it all wrong. 
But when I pray for my mother, I am praying for the intercession of the Lord. I'm asking for the Lord to grant her that gift. And please, God, uh, in my heart of hearts, I believe my mother is with the Lord. Then she, I can ask her for the same help in my life to get to the same place. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we have five senses. Those senses help us in our spiritual journey as well. Correct. And so we see the picture, we see the statue. Sure. We have other senses too than five. We have the inner senses. Okay. One of them is common sense. One of them is cogitative sense, imaginative sense, memory. They are all the inner senses of the soul that we engage in prayer no differently than the five senses. Mm. Okay. That's what artificial intelligence cannot replicate, the inner senses. Right. So intuition in its truly human form, no machine will ever be able to duplicate. Right? Yeah. So it really is a question. See, the intercession of the saints, of the dead, is a really ecclesial question. That is, what do you believe the church to be? Now, you used a very interesting term. You spoke of the church triumphant, right? But we speak of the church that is in glory, the church that is in pilgrimage, right? And the church that we pray for that will one day come to glory. Right. But it's all the church. Yeah. And all alive and all real. So yeah. what's true for the visible needs to be true for the larger church as well. Right? Yep, yep, we're all one and body. And quite frankly, and quite frankly, uh, not to not to sound flippant at all, but I would much rather ask my mother for prayers than a lot of my friends that I know, because I know she will pray for me. <laughs> yeah. How many times, even with the best of intentions, people have asked us to pray for them, and we just simply forget to, or we right. just wrap it all up and say, "Lord, I'm praying for everybody who asks for prayers." Yeah. But if you pray to, 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 to those in heaven, they will pray for you by name. Remember the guardian angels? They pray for us by name. Yes. So, I, 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 to me, it's, it's one of the great privileges of being part of a church that is far greater than meets the eye. So then, Excellency, so we have uh, the, our, our friends and loved ones in heaven who can pray for mm -hmm. us. We can pray for each other here on earth. How about mm -hmm. the souls in purgatory? Can they pray for us or they are just the recipients of prayer to help them? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, um, we have to remember what purgatory is mm -hmm. to be able to answer that question. I myself have never asked them for prayers. I've always prayed for them because they are not yet in the glory of heaven. Right? So let's remember, when we die, there is an individual judgment. When our soul leaves our corporeal body, there is an individual judgment based on the choices and the life we offer to God. And there's three possibilities that can happen. There can be entrance into heaven, but you at that point need to be totally sinless and reconciled to God and all the temporal punishments of your sins have been met. Then there is the possibility of damnation, where you die in the state of mortal sin, which you have freely chosen to cut yourself off from God. And at that moment of death, there is no possibility of revising that choice. And then there are those who have not made a fundamental choice against God, but still have what I'm going to call the spiritual baggage that has to be cleaned. So therefore, purgatory is not a place. Purgatory is a state of life. It's a process. If God is truly, infinitely, eternally, pure, holy, good, he is the source of all light, light from light, then we cannot enter into his presence 
marked, quote-unquote, in any way. So purgative, souls in purgatory are going through this process of purification. And love asks them to do that. Love, at the Lord who is love, asks them to do that so that they can enter into the presence of God. So where they're going, there is no doubt. So it uses, this is very interesting, there's a traditional image of purgatory um, that sees purgatory as a, almost a cleansing fire. Now when we think of fire, we think of something that is hurtful, something that inflicts suffering and pain. But fire is also used to purify silver or gold, to make it pure, right? And scripture, St. Paul speaks of that. So that is the image. Although physically speaking, you're in a realm of, of existence that doesn't have the corporeality that we have. Right? And I'm actually not sure what it is. I, I, no one actually can speak of it in the terms, that, uh, in the life we live, in the reference we have. So the souls in purgatory are about the work of being purified. They are the ones who need our prayers. We don't ask for their prayers, but when they enter right. heaven, certainly they could. Right. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So and that's All Souls Day. Yes, which, yeah, we'll talk about uh, in, the, in the next segment, definitely. Yeah, right. So, but just to um, kind of wrap this up uh, with regards to the intercession of the saints, because, so when, when Paul writes to Timothy um, that there's one mediator in that's Jesus Christ, Mm-hmm. The sentence right before that is exactly what you're saying, right? Where he says, I urge you to make supplications, to pray for, for all mm-hmm. men, to pray for each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, in, in many ways, we have the miracles of the saints. That is, the miracles that people have prayed for, mm-hmm. the graces given to them. Mm-hmm. But in the end, where is the source of that divine power? that the saints use, right, to grant those miracles. It comes from the Lord Jesus. They themselves do not have them. So it's almost like being a a channel, like a canal, that allows the grace of God. And because they are in the state of glory, there is no obstacle. It's a a running stream. And before we leave this topic, the one thing about all saints that I think is extremely important for people to remember, myself included, is that we have at times this notion that there's a cookie cutter image of who a saint is. But the saints are as varied as the church you're looking at at Sunday Mass. Young, old, rich, and poor. Professional and illiterate, okay? You're looking at those who had careers as different as you could imagine priests and religious, bishops and popes, as well as consecrated women and men and laity of every, every continent, race, culture, right? So part of the beauty of the communion of the saints is that the Lord sometimes, we, we, we say, well, he was God made man, I can never be another, I can never achieve what the Lord achieved. Well, with his grace, as his disciples, we walk in his footsteps. But if you look at the saints, there are many that you say, you know, that, that could be me. Yeah, a bishop, you know, who, like me personally, mm-hmm. a bishop who had challenges at his time, who remained faithful, he did it. Yeah. So he's my role model. Following that role model will get me to Jesus Christ. Yeah, and they weren't perfect. They were sinners, just like us. Sure. Sure, without a doubt. Without, and that's why this purgation. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah awesome. The other piece, to, the other, one last thing too. Yes, of course. Now you got me on a roll. All yes. Right. So the other thing about purgation, I mentioned about the temporal punishment. The truth of the matter is, Steve, you're guilty of sin. You're forgiven. Thank God. Yes. You go on your life, right. And the damage you created, what happened to that? Still and what there. you cannot undo, uh, and, and everything you cannot undo, and what happens to that? We just write it off? What is this, like uh, a loan? We write off bad <laughs> debt? No. Someone has to answer for that. Ultimately, yeah. we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That explains it. 
So, um, Excellency, let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll, we'll talk about All Souls Day when we come back. Yes. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, featuring Bishop Frank Caggiano. Um, Excellency, so we talked about Halloween, we talked about All Saints Day. Let's move on to the third of these three consecutive days, which is um, All Souls Day. So mm-hmm. what are we remembering on this day and how is it different from All Saints Day? We on All Souls Day pray for the dead, known and unknown. We pray that they will be found worthy to come into the glory of eternal life. And we particularly emphasize the holy souls of purgatory who are going through the purgation that we just described. But in my mind, all souls day and death have always gone hand in hand. And it is a healthy thing for Mm -hmm. believers who easily forget their mortality to spend one day sitting in the mystery of death. One of the high points, believe it or not, of my pastoral ministry which we started to do a few years ago here in the diocese, is to offer mass in the cemeteries. This year I will go to Gate of Heaven to offer mass outdoors Mm -hmm. because there is a great mystery there. You know, for you or I to sit in a cemetery, um, it's life and death. It's the church visible and the church invisible. It is in many ways a healthy reminder of the pilgrimage of human life to judgment and please God to glory. So All Souls Day should be a time of sober reflection on my life, on its meaning, that one day I will occupy a grave or an urn and that in some way, shape or form, when the day of individual judgment comes, What am I going to offer the Lord? So I think it has multiple purposes. We pray for the souls, which we talked about. We pray for ourselves for the grace of a happy death, which means you are ready to die and ready to give. And to pray to the extent that we are not ready, that we be made ready because we do not know the day or the hour. We don't. Right. Right. And I'll be 62 in March, and I already have four classmates who have died. Four priest classmates who have died. Wow. Yeah. So, can I ask you, Excellency, my, my mm-hmm. mom passed away in 1998. I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's a long time ago. I still mm-hmm. pray for her in case she's in purgatory. And I just kind of, I'm trying to, figure out like when can I stop praying for that or should I never stop no never okay never every mass I have offered since my mother's death I have remembered my mother at every single mass I have offered those are thousands and thousands of masses my mother and my father both yeah I used to pray only for my father when my father and now it's both because remember for God there is no past or future Right. There's only a present. For, as we talked about this, it bends the mind to think Adam and Eve and the end of creation for God is a single moment. So our prayer, so we see it as this is five years, but for God it's one moment. So I would say every day. Yeah. Right? And to the extent, please God, your mom and my mom, my dad, whoever are in heaven, those prayers don't go to waste. Yeah. Because they give glory to God because he's the one who put them in heaven. <laughs> right. Sure. Yep. So, uh, what do you? Uh, are there any specific um, things we that you recommend? You know, you said we should reflect on our mortality and where we want to go. But yes, any specific cemetery. prayers or cemetery? Cemetery. Everyone should go to the cemetery. Okay. 
go to the cemetery to visit your relatives or friends, or quite frankly, if no one nearby is buried, go visit the cemetery and pray for those neighbors of yours who you do not know. Pray for them. Walked, I find the cemetery to be a, a beautiful place for personal reflection. Remember, in the Middle Ages, every church had a cemetery. Hmm. Oftentimes you walked through the cemetery to go into church. Is that an accident? No. Yeah, what a reminder. It's exactly because you're entering into the mystery of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Wouldn't it be good that we reminded ourselves of our own deaths to see the larger context of what Jesus' death and resurrection does for my death? Yeah. So in the end, I think um, I would strongly urge that in a world that wants to avoid death, a world that wants to make cemeteries almost into, um, into places that avoid the very essence of their existence, which is to bury the dead. I would certainly, I would highly recommend everyone find the time to go and just reflect. And like a Christmas carol, when Ebenezer in the ghost of Christmas future lands on his own grave, what about if we stopped at a grave and imagined our names on it and said, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- I wear on my wrist a, um, a 10 bead rosary bracelet that has two skulls for m- Memento Mori. And uh, there you go. You know, there mm-hmm. are all those great saints, which I am not one, but there are all those great saints that used to have a skull on their desk or in their bedroom right. to remind them. Right. Right. And, and so the prayers, obviously, uh, the prayers for the dead that we, we, we learn when we're children would certainly be most appropriate All Souls Day. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, everyone still knows them. Yeah. I don't know if our young people are being taught them, and if they're not, they have to be. They have to learn them. Hmm? There's, and there's uh, St. Gertrude's Prayer, which, mm-hmm. you know, I guess tradition or legend or some teaching says that releases a thousand souls from purgatory when you pray it. The Divine Mercy, actually. Of right? course. Of course. And without a doubt. Yes, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And of course, there have been visions of hell, too. Remember? In Fatima? Fatima, the three children, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so let's, maybe this is a good way to transition into, and normally I know this is more of a Lenten topic, but I think it fits today if we talk about the, the last four things. Oh, eschatology. All right? Eschata in Greek are the last things. And, you know, my doctorate is on the eschatology of St. Cecilia of Alexandria. I know it's a burning issue. Everyone asks about it. <laughs> okay. And being a Greek father, St. Cyril speaks of the notion of recreation. That in the death and resurrection of Jesus, not recreate like to have fun alone, but it's the recreation. It's the eighth day, seven days of creation, the eighth day of recreation is the day of resurrection, is the day of new life, which baptism opens up, right? It's the last things. Hmm. So it starts with what? Death. Death, yes. All right, so I never heard of death. Steve, how do you define death? Uh, I would say um, the, the end of our uh, physical life here on earth. Or mortal life, yes. And what happens when you die? Uh, well, your, your body is temporarily discarded until the the second coming and your soul goes on forever and you are you go to your judgment yeah so in effect for a believer it's the moment that your earthly life comes to an end your soul goes to god for judgment and your body it basically finds its earthly resting place for a time until you are reunited with your body for the final judgment of all creation, right? So it's now, for a non-believer, it's the end. Right. It's over. Yep. The curtain has come down, we all go home, we're done. Now, 
In my, in my experience, there are many people who say many things and actually have great difficulty living what they say they believe. For example, there are many who claim there is no God, and I believe them that they believe there is no God, but many times act as if there is ultimate value, which points to a God. Mm -hmm. right? So the same thing with death. There are those who claim that death is the end, and yet they act as if they have hope that in fact it's not the end. So they speak of a person's enduring memory or a person's legacy. But quite frankly, if there is no heaven and there is no God, what do I care about your legacy in yeah. the end? Like right. I'm the custodian of your, but what does that mean in the end? But there is this inherent desire that it not be the end. Mm -hmm. There is, we're almost like the grammar of our lives are built in such a way that, that we don't, that we intuit, we intuit, the innocent, we intuit that there's got to be more than laying this body in the ground. Okay. Now, what we would say, of course, is that <laughs> that body is there only for a period, and this has been the first, it's the preamble of the life that the human heart truly desires, which is a life of true beatitude and happiness, joy and love and peace, of which we are the image and likeness here, the fullness in the life to come. So for us, death is a moment in a continuum. Right? It's the end of only a chapter, not the whole story. Yeah. And I'm telling you, and, and again, I, people may disagree with me, but there are many who say death is the end but don't actually emotionally and intellectually act as if it is the end. So there's a bit of a contradiction. Yeah. And, and for us Christians, as you're saying, we know that um, Jesus, through his passion and cross, has transformed death for us. So for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right. You know, it's an interesting thing if you consider it Jesus on the cross right, experienced the ultimate depth of abandonment in his death and remained faithful and conquered death. For you and I, when we die, as much as we may be frightened to death of the prospect of dying, we have Jesus with us. Mm -hmm. So we have an advantage, don't we? Yes. We have... Right, he is there, even if we are scared literally to death. <laughs> yes, he's there with us to lead us to this eternal life. So, I, I think, in many ways, again, I think cemeteries and the peace that they have, and the beauty that when they're well maintained in a season like this in the fall. How come cemeteries are places of death and so beautiful, hmm. peaceful, hmm. restful? Do they not point to the reality of what we're talking about? Yeah. So, so Excellency, so we all die. After we die, there's our particular judgment. And then you've been talking about, you know, the last judgment at the second coming. Can you kind of help us th think through the difference between the particular judgment and the last judgment? Right, right. Because the individual judgment is inheriting the consequences of your choices, of your freedom. Right? The general final judgment is the final completion of the kingdom of God. All the dead rise in their bodies and just as an aside, you know, that for the longest time people say, if you're cremated, how could that be? No, no, no. For God, there is no, there is, everything is possible for God. Everyone will rise in their own bodies for the general judgment because we believe that the glorification of heaven is me. And I am body, soul, and spirit. And at that moment, when all creation literally holds its breath, all that exists stands before the throne of God. At that point, those who have been 
individually in judgment, found worthy, will go to the fullness of life with a resurrected, glorified body in the likeness of the Lord Jesus. And those who are not found worthy will go to eternal damnation, which is a life self-imposed without any love or connection to God. An inherent contradiction is what hell is. So we believe that day will come. Now, when will it come? I have no idea. It may come by the time we finish ending this tape. Hmm. There are many days I said, Lord, let it be today. <laughs> okay? But it doesn't come because God's will is for that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And therefore, God is extremely patient. And we have a chance to help the kingdom inbreak now in our acts of faith, hope, and charity. But it's the full truth of one's life for everyone to see, everyone being is the final judgment, the resurrection of the body. So it's it's not. Are, are, so are you saying that it's not truly a judgment, the final judgment, in that like you can change? Where oh, no. From the individual judgment to final judgment, there's not like you know the court of appeals. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. 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 But at the final judgment. You inherit the fullness of the glory yes. that is yours. And quite frankly, again, for God, there isn't a time lag between these individual judgments and final judgment. It's right. all one moment for him. Yeah. Okay, so that's death, judgment, and the third oh, is? The final destinations. Yes. Heaven and hell. What do you want to start with? <laughs> uh, let's start with, um, let's start with, Hell, so we can end on a good note. <laughs> My gosh. You know, there's so much controversy around hell because people say they can't possibly be. God couldn't possibly be that cruel. And, and the whole point of the matter is, it's not God doing anything in the end. Right. right. We inherit the consequences of our own choices. It's self-exclusion. Now, you may say, well, that's mighty responsibility. God, why would God give us that ability well because he gave us the ability to love hmm. these are grave matters that in ordinary life we we reduce to the mundane but they are profoundly important if one chooses not to love one chooses against god why because god is love according to the apostle john mm -hmm. right so hell is the state of eternal of life that is eternal for those who die in the state of mortal sin which is they have sinned against god neighbor and self they have closed themselves radically against love which is at the heart of who we are meant to be so it's a self-exclusion self-inflicted it is a cutting off of the tree at its roots by our own hand that if we die in that state, can't be changed because time has run out. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So you have this idea of this good God punishing you. Actually, this good God, I am sure, if I could be a little anthropomorphic, probably with great sadness, looks on these who slip away, who he had intended to be with him. Mm -hmm. But even love to the end, demands that their choices be respected or their choices to love would not be true choices to love then right yeah and we have a whole there's a whole team of evil spirits trying to not let us be with god right that we need to be on guard uh, against so so one other piece to this puzzle so if true happiness is to be with god to land in hell is to be eternally frustrated. Hmm. You know, I once heard a talk and there was an image. And of course, this is anthropomorphic. And it's, it, this is almost kind of like, a, 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 it's, a, it's quasi parable. But the way this professor described hell is to imagine it as a room that once you enter, 
there are no doors or windows. And the room next door is heaven with the joy and the, the revelry and the eternal, eternal banquet. Mm. And the person in hell chose not to go and sits there for all eternity hearing what's going on on the other side yeah. and cannot access it because he, he was meant to be there and chose not to be there. The eternal frustration that is there is itself the eternal punishment. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It, it, it's, it's a sobering, it's sobering thought, and we don't often think about it. We should. Yeah, that's a good, mm-hmm. uh, that's a good image. It really makes it kind of real, mm-hmm. um, the idea. So uh, then let's... Um, but so, uh, t- may I just add one other thing, Steve? Yes. While you're thinking about heaven, before we leave hell, and imagine if you're in that room and you can hear the voices of your wife or your mother or your son or yeah. your daughter and can never be with them again by your own choice. And whose fault is that in the end? Who entered the room? Who closed the door? Who did it? Did yeah. God do it? Let me no. think. No. <laughs> No. Yep. no. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so to help help people not end up in that situation, Our Lady of Fatima said to pray the rosary and to make sacrifices on behalf of sinners mm-hmm. for a conversion of, of hearts. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Let's, let's uh, end by talking about heaven, which... Amen. Yeah, Amen. If, and, you know, if you don't mind excellency i don't for for me i don't like picturing heaven as like this quiet place where you know we float around on clouds and and strum harps um i don't want to you know quote (laughs) rest in peace i don't think heaven is really like that right excellency (laughs) well first of all remember we were kids sister would tell us where's heaven we point up Uh, yeah heaven's that way right (laughs) so it's basically in the stratosphere So heaven defies description, but heaven is not a physical place, okay? Heaven is a state of eternal life. It's a state of life, right? It's union with God. It's communion with the Most Holy Trinity. It's entering into the life of the Trinity in an ever more perfect and full way. It's, if you could imagine the moment you fell in love with your wife, for example, that moment become ever more deep and profound and enrapting of the person for all eternity is what will happen with us and God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So why do we call it rest? It's not like you're just hanging out. It's because my heart is restless until it rests with thee, O God, St. Augustine. That's the rest. You have found your place. But it is a dynamic reality because love itself is a dynamic reality. It's a relationship that is then perfect and eternal, one of love. So we say that Christ died on the cross to give us the gift of redemption. So heaven is the full and perfect possession of the fruits of the redemption that Christ won for us in his death and resurrection. Full and complete. You know, St. Thomas, for example, in the, and our faith speaks of a beatific vision. What is a beatific vision? You think to yourself, you're just staring at God, right? <laughs> but what about the other way around? What about if you consider the beatific vision that we now, in God's presence, God can reveal himself in a way to us there that he could not reveal here in life because of the need for mediated immediacy, that he has to use created things to reveal himself. There he does not. Yeah. So it's actually an invitation to come to know God in a way that would boggle our imagination to consider in this life. It's not 
looking at God. One could almost say it's looking into God. Hmm. It is it is entering into the mystery, which you understand ever more deeply without words, without images, without judgment, without cognition. Okay. So it's happiness because it's no longer restlessness. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, now, what uh, happens to us then? What happens to us? What do you think? So you die, I die. Please, God, we both go to heaven. Do we hang out? Like, do we chat? Do we play cards? Like, what do we do up there? <laughs> to be facetious about it. But, uh, the, real, the real theological question is, am I aware of you? Hmm. I'm aware of you now. Am I aware of you? Do I converse with you like I do now? And while certainly these are concepts that defy our ability to understand, but if the gospel is true, which it is, and the Lord says the two commandments of love God above all things and love your neighbor as yourself are intimately linked, then in some way, shape, or form, I ever falling more in love with God, becoming knowledgeable, in an ever more intimate way of who God is. By doing that, I am also, in some sense, aware of and in love with everyone else with me. So that conversation may not need words because my conversation with God in heaven will not need the words of this life hmm. necessarily. But you would be aware of your wife and children, and I would be aware of my parents and whoever's there with you. would be aware. You would sense, know, be one with them, love them, but it's all directed to the, to the Father. Yeah. In whom he is the living horizon of it all that binds it all together. So we can converse, but it wouldn't be like this. Right. And which would make that that love and that interaction, I mean, to put it lightly, so much deeper in a way that we could never understand now, I, I guess. So imagine, oh, now you have hit on a brilliant point. So imagine, my friend, you talking with your wife, who is the love of your life, and be able to perfectly communicate with her. Hmm. Which in this life is, is a, right, does not happen. <laughs> Perfectly, without words, that's heaven. Yeah. So you are actually conversant and aware in a far more rich and deeper way than we could ever have in this life. It's, it's mind-boggling yeah. to consider. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let's take that thought uh, into the break, Excellency, and, and come back with a listener question on the other side. Why do we need Catholic radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? How about while at work at your desk? Catholic radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology, I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Welcome back, everybody, to Let Me Be Frank. A great discussion today. Um, Excellency, you know, before we get to the listener question, we're, we were talking about heaven right before we went to the break. And um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show The Simpsons, but there's this one scene that <laughs> sticks in my head where um, Marge, she's the mother, she goes to heaven. Mm -hmm. And she lands in a place where people are in, you know, they've got their sweaters tied around their neck and they're playing croquet and they're looking at each other and they say, oh, do, has anybody seen Poppy? You know, and, and she says, what is this? And they say, it's Protestant heaven. And she said, well, where's Jesus? And they point over and they say, he's in Catholic heaven. And you see the Mexicans and the Italians and the Irish and they're all having a great time and Jesus is getting thrown up in the air. No, <laughs> just... I, okay, no, I've never seen that episode, <laughs> just for the record. Right, <laughs> and that's not what it's really like, right? <laughs> no, but, but I wonder about your media habits now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, that's funny. Um, all right, so 
we have a question uh we have a question that came in um but actually i'm sorry excellency i also thought of a question while you were talking in the first segment about all saints day you said that when you were at saint dominic's as pastor you used to have the kids dress up as saints and and it'd be a contest Mm -hmm. is there any one that still sticks out in your mind any costume that still sticks out in your mind today that you know Oh, from from that time back it's yeah from when you were at time? st dominic's oh well that's a great question oh yes there was actually one yes there was yes there was st christopher huh w- one of the little bo- because he had a doll <laughs> like attached to his shoulder <laughs> and i thought now that is innovative cute <laughs> it's innovative yeah Oh, oh yeah. that's cute. Oh, yeah. I, I don't recall if he won the prize, but we had some great ones. Yeah. We had St. Sebastian, this this one kid kind of like... Uh, with the arrows? Taped the, with the, yeah, the other half of the arrows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's creative. No, but, but yeah, but it also tells the live story of the saints. Yes. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will never forget the little plastic baby Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as long as that kid didn't steal it from you know the little girl playing Saint Mary. Well, so. <laughs> who's to ask? I didn't ask. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So let let's get to the the listener question. We got a question uh, that came in, Excellency, and it asked this. It says, uh, "Your Excellency, do you have more details on your plan to reinstate the Sunday obligation in our diocese?" Um, as of now, no, because um, I'm still thinking through uh, how to balance the goods, mm-hmm. the goods that we want to achieve. On one hand, there is still fairly widespread and in most cases, truly legitimate fear of coming into church because of not so much a person's own safety, but their children, their parents with whom they live, or they have debilitating circumstances. So I never want to put a person to conflict their conscience in such a way that I'm asking them to enter a space that they legitimately are very much afraid to do so that can cause harm to life, because that's the first reason we closed, to protect life. Right. So that is the question that is still haunting this whole discussion. Have we reached a point that we are safe enough that those fears can be mitigated? And the general consensus I am getting to date is that people, a good number of people do not feel we have reached that point. And in fact, all the the sobering news over the last few weeks is not helping because our infection rates are going up. In Connecticut, our death rate has doubled in two months. Yeah. Um, so, no, the answer, I do not have any news. What, what we are going to do, gun ho is we're still going to unveil my, our Eucharistic letter. We're going to start this program to, to, to recatechize on the Eucharist and to try to encourage people to come perhaps one-on-one invitation, because the ideal would be everyone is back in church even without the obligation. Right. They, they're there because they want to be, they want to honor the Lord, and their fears have been met. Yeah. So, so the answer is I don't have a, a, a specific update yet. In the coming weeks, hopefully, it will become clearer. Yeah, it sounds like you, you've been thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't like that word mm-hmm. obligation for, for Mass, but... Um... I sure, guess that's what sure. the term is. I told you the story of a, a dear friend of mine who's a priest says, I didn't need a law to love my mother's cooking. I, every time <laughs> I was there first at the table. Right. Yep. But same thing for the, for the antipasto of heaven, right? It's the same <laughs> idea. It's the same idea. But, but, the, but the obligation is there because there are times when the law needs to motivate us when our human nature you know, may get the best of us. Yes. It's important, but it should not necessarily, and it cannot necessarily be the driving force to move people to action if they have legitimate fears that prevent them from coming, because then they would be put in the position of either choosing the good of the Eucharist or choosing the good of protecting life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you have a question for Bishop Frank, 
send it into us on the Veritas app or on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. You can find Bishop Frank Caggiano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Veritas is there too. Um, Excellency, may I ask for your blessing, please? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, send your spirit into our midst. Continue to give us protection, give us consolation, and give us confidence that you will lead us forward to renewal and greater life in the spirit. And may these days that are coming, these holy days, be a time of spiritual refreshment for us all. May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come upon you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, my friend. Steve, it's always good to see you. See you next week. Okay, see ya. Bye.